Welcome to the latest episode of Apple at Work, a podcast all about Apple and the enterprise, healthcare, education, and everything in between. My name is Bradley Chambers. This week, my uh, special guest is Michael Covington from Jamf. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So can you give us a background on exactly what your role at Jamf is? Sure. I'm responsible for product strategy at Jamf, uh, primarily overseeing our cloud-delivered security products. Well, and that's certainly become uh, the trend in, in the enterprise with remote work and, and SaaS applications. I mean, it, you know, security has in some ways never been easier, but in some ways it's never been more difficult, uh, depending on your perspective. Uh, the, the reason we had you on the show this week is Jamf just released a, a new study that I found very interesting. Looking at the most common permissions requested by popular apps. And, and just to set the groundwork on like what these permissions are, uh, and I, I think Apple does a nice job here of very being being explicit in what you're giving uh, applications. Um, again, this could be access to your photos, camera, location, microphone, calendar, contacts, Bluetooth, um, you know, health data, and then really an access to your local network. So to see things on the, on the network. And uh, obviously this has evolved from, as Apple has evolved, um, you know, it's it's platforms over the year, particularly on iOS, um, where things like location data are very, very important. Um, and, and I'll tell you a funny story about location data in just a few minutes. But uh, and, and so I thought this study was really inter- interesting and kind of looking at, you know, what are the trends and then thinking through like, what are, what is this? What are the implications of this in business and, and really what should businesses be thinking about when it comes to app permissions that they're installing on? Uh, corporate corporately owned devices uh, as also as you know asking their employees to download uh, before we start so I'll tell you a funny story Mike I was at uh, uh, going to get coffee this morning uh, I had a good workout uh, went to the gym and I was going to run by Dunkin Donuts on my my way uh, home and get my my wife a coffee and me a coffee and I use their app their app is nice uh, I like just you know has my has my order in there just hit you know order order had it was actually free uh, because um, um, it had a reward point. So it was nice. Yes, I use that built up. Uh, it's basically free. So I get there and I pull around to the drive through and uh, they just say, hey, is this Bradley? And I was thinking, you know what? I'm a regular here now. And, and it was nice. People like, it's like, cheers. Everybody knows your name. So I could pull around there and it was, a, it, was a, it was a new person who I knew hadn't seen me before. And I was like, randomly, I said, hey, how did you know it was me? He said, oh, you had your app open and it alerted me that you were here. And I, you know, and again, me being the tech guy, I knew I'd given it permission to uh, my location only when the app was open, but the app was still open. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so, Michael, can I, where did the idea for, for doing this study come from? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You touched on so many interesting things there about mobile, uh, both security and privacy together. Um, and the, the kind of challenges that we as individuals and businesses as well have to manage uh, as we start to use these devices more in our everyday lives. I think, you know, just zooming out to give you some perspective, um, at Jamf, we have uh, some capabilities that we use to help protect mobile workers. And mobile risk is really broad. Um, we could spend hours here on the podcast talking about uh, malware and phishing attacks and threats in the network. Um, but what we decided to do for this particular study was really just zero in on one particular aspect of both security and privacy, uh, and that is the, the information that is exposed to applications and, as a result, application developers 
um, through these frameworks that both Apple and Google have put in place that most of us know as the permission framework. Um, and I think you gave some some great examples there. The, the ones that you know people, uh, I think, are always most concerned about are things like personal location and maybe the photos in your library. But there's a lot of information that can be exposed in these permissions. Um, and so what we looked at were uh, really the apps that are leveraging this permission framework to gain access to personal data. Uh, and we really wanted to, to surface information, not just about individual apps, but full categories of apps to really raise awareness around uh, what type of information people are allowing uh, to flow off of their devices and into the hands of these developers and, and some of these service providers. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Direct Mail for Mac. You're sending important emails to your team, but is anyone actually reading them? Direct Mail for Mac makes it easy to send engaging content and find out how it's performing. Top companies trust Direct Mail for Mac to send all types of important internal communication, like employee newsletters, project updates, training materials, and more. And here's why. Number one, Emails sent with direct mail from Mac send out from the crowd. They're attractive, they have customizable designs, and they look great on all devices without requiring any coding knowledge. Number two, built-in reporting shows you who is interacting with your emails, giving you the data you need to optimize your communication strategy. Number three, IT integration is incredibly easy with Direct Mail for Mac because it uses your company's existing email system, not a third-party cloud service. Even better, Direct Mail is a native Mac app, not a clunky web app. It eliminates an entire class of security threats. You can book a demo or get started with a free trial today at directmailmac.com slash work. Again, that's directmailmac.com slash work. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I actually just read the book, 1984, for the first time here recently. And you think about like the way that book talks about the future, then you just think about, you know, what we give up oftentimes with our devices. And it's, you know, even going back 10 years ago, I just, I don't think we knew the implications of how much data lives on these devices, no bigger than a candy bar. It's so easy to just uh, select the accept button when you're installing a new app so that you can really quickly get to the, the function that's been promised by that app developer. Uh, and, you know, something you touched on in the example you gave just a few minutes ago with Dunkin' Donuts is so many of us install these apps very quickly because we were looking for some some quick return on, on our download, only to find that we're disappointed once we see how the app's been implemented. And so we forget about it, we move on, and we, we download the next app. There are so many apps that are uh, out there that are lurking on people's devices, collecting information. That's where I think the biggest risk to privacy uh, resides at the moment. So kind of zooming out with um, talking about remote remote workers and obviously tons of employers either give stipends for smartphones or outright provide smartphones. If you're somebody that's in corporate IT, what should be your concern with your employees' home, like basically home base, their home, and most people publicly known where you work? Are, should, are there any privacy concerns that IT people should be concerned about? Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of privacy concerns. And, you know, I think if we, if we maybe uh, kind of look at this from an acceptable use perspective, uh, a lot of companies document 
what is okay to do or not okay to do when you're working on a desktop computer in the building. Um, but mobile devices, uh, by definition, allow us to, to roam free. And they have access to a lot of sensitive company data. Whether you're getting a stipend or you have a company-liable device, um, you have a device that collects a lot of information about you, your environment, and that also has access to business data. And so I think one of the very first things that someone in corporate IT probably should be thinking about if they haven't done so already is making sure that they document policies that are acceptable use-oriented, but kind of prepared through the lens of a, a mobile worker. You know, thinking about the, the study that we just put out, we identified the, the top four permissions that are requested by uh, the most popular apps. Number one is access to the photo library, where, where an insanely high percentage of applications are requesting access to, to that um, kind of store of photos. Number two is the camera. Uh, number three is location data. And number four is the microphone. And if you think about it from a corporate perspective, these devices are introducing a very uh, kind of a tempting target for corporate espionage. And they're also opening up their employees to as potential blackmail targets because of the access that they have and the information that can be collected on them. So, you know, I think it's important to document what is acceptable for people to be doing on these devices, maybe provide some recommendations. One of the things that dawned on us as we did this report is that these settings the permissions that are granted to individual applications are ultimately in the hands of the end user. It doesn't matter if you have uh, device management that is uh, kind of governing all of the settings on that device. If you have a security tool that's looking for malware, neither of those kind of uh, IT solutions provide the ability to control the permissions that are exposed to um, uh, to data that uh, are exposed to these different app developers. And, and then last but not least, um, this is probably the most important takeaway, end users need protecting as well. And I think that this gets right to the heart of your question. You know, privacy is an element of security, uh, making sure that we're protecting the end users, giving them good guidance, helping them understand what's okay to do in their devices and not, that, that's as, as important as blocking a phishing attack, uh, in my opinion. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Kanji. Kanji is an Apple device management solution, but exclusively for IT teams and organizations that run on Apple. Kanji is a modern, cloud-based platform for essentially managing and securing your Mac, iPhone, iPads, and your Apple TVs at your workplace. Their automation saves IT teams countless hours of manual repetitive work with features like one-click compliance templates and 150 pre-built automations, apps, and workflows. What makes Kanji unlike any other solution on the market is they focus on automations. They do this by offering a growing library of pre-built automations and workflows coupled with a modern and intuitive user interface. They approach everything from the lens of how can they reduce the number of time it takes for someone in IT to ensure their Apple fleet is secure and efficient. Again, so some key features here. 150 pre-built automations powered by their macOS agent that automatically remediates even if the devices are offline. Obviously, it supports using automated DEP for your um, zero-touch deployments. You can deploy App Store and custom apps, automated patching, manage Mac, Mac OS upgrades, one-click compliance templates, pre-built security controls, and again, built-in remediation, which is obviously huge for hybrid and distributed teams. So again, we'll have a link to Kanji in the show notes. If you are looking for an MDM that's focused on automations and making your life easier, check out Kanji. 
Thanks to Kanji for sponsoring this episode of Apple at Work. Well, you kind of, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like worst case scenario and you hope this is like something that only happened in the movies, but like I know every day I usually go running and I use, uh, you know, one of the popular running apps and they do have some features where like you obviously privacy controls and you can't see my map um, where like, if you're not my friend, but then I kind of take it a step further where it can block out sections of your map that are like what you considered near your home. Well, I mean, but you could probably correlate about where I live based on my running route. Then you could probably figure out like what county I live in and look up, well, does this person own property? Cause that's public information I do, you know, do own property. And then let's say like I worked for a company that like had valuable secrets. So using either like a personal device you could kind of correlate like about where I live, maybe even some of my patterns, like if somehow I, you connected with me on that running platform. And then like, again, it could be, you could time it where running on the, on the road. And it, like, it's, it's all that is like terrifying to think about, but it actually is not that hard to do. If you just kind of had access to, okay, connect with them, this person on this platform, let me connect with them on LinkedIn to see where they work. Uh, let me connect, you know, and then you, you kind of go down that rabbit hole and if someone worked in like a very uh, an industry that had a lot of financial secrets or again government secrets, like it wouldn't be hard to kind of corner them in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as we talk about these app permissions and the the data that you are controlling access to, this is the tip of the iceberg. You know, we talk about location data being available to a camera application. What I think a lot of people don't think about are the breadcrumbs that are captured by individual applications and then those breadcrumbs shared with other apps and other services that are well beyond your device. I went to a talk a couple of years ago uh, and the speaker was in law enforcement and he talked about how Facebook and Instagram and Twitter were were his top tools for tracking suspects and people that were wanted by law enforcement because of the embedded location information that was carried through to social media from the photos they posted. And if you think about just that one example of location data in a photo, how useful it is for us as we look at our photo library and try to recall the places that we've been, or we try to identify a particular photo from a trip that we took, um, that's a great function for us when we're using it as it was originally intended. But so much of this data is propagated beyond our devices and used in ways that goes well beyond that initial intent. And I think that's the difficult part for consumers as well as for businesses to really get their heads around as they are granting access to this type of sensitive data. Because to your point, when you start to bring it all together on the back end off of my phone, you have an incredible amount of data that's available uh, on me and on all of us uh, that's that's just floating around out there on the internet. And I think people need to be mindful of that uh, and really think, you know, that app that I just downloaded for free, why was it free? It's not because, uh, it, you know, someone has created this uh, valuable asset uh, for you out of the kindness of their heart. It's because they're monetizing you as an individual. There's so much information that uh, they can go and sell and use to, to provide additional services to you and to make money uh, off of you as an individual consumer. Uh, that's the, the part that I think should be, give, give, be giving people concern and making them think twice about the, the the private data that they're parting with. 
Well, and, and obviously one of the other common um, permissions was microphone. And, you know, that's been the, 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 what's the word, the conspiracy theory for years is that uh, the Facebook app was, is listening to you because it like, you'll see ads and now explain to people, look, Facebook doesn't have to use your microphone to hear what you're saying. They can tell who you're around, what that person has searched for. And, you know, there's a thousand different ways for them to correlate and show you ads based on things you're talking to um, without having to actually hear your microphone because you're giving it, you're bleeding data in other ways. But then from a business perspective, though, if an app, you know, let's say, for example, like you had an app that was like somehow uh, tying into some popular video conferencing API and it, and it promoted itself as an, you know, like a streamlined alternative. Like you think about the corporate data that can be sent over microphones on devices. Um, or again, if you got malware into machine and, and you were able to kind of intercept that, like there's just all this, these things that it used to be to, to have voice data from a meeting, you had to have a bug in the meeting room. And now you just have to get malware on a single machine. And that is such a good example to to bring up. You know, just about a year or two ago, uh, there was a very, very popular uh, messaging application um, that is installed on a significant percentage of devices around the world. And the big claim to fame from this particular messaging platform was the fact that they encrypted your communication stream. Uh, and so you had built-in security between yourself and the individuals that you communicated with. Uh, there was a flaw in that particular app, not in the operating system from Apple, but in the app that was developed by a third party and provided this messaging functionality. And the attackers were able to exploit the vulnerability in that app so that they could remotely uh, turn on the microphone and spy on individuals simply because that app had permission to access the microphone in a live setting. Um, and so it does go to show how it's not just the app developers who can run wild with these permissions, uh, but it's attackers who can leverage the permissions that these apps have to do some nefarious things on your device. So kind of as we wrap up here, we talked about a lot of negative things. What actionable things can an IT department do? Well, I think we talked about uh, some perhaps very, very basic things, you know, documenting acceptable use policies that are inclusive of mobile, training people to think about security and privacy when they're working on a mobile device. You know, one of the things that IT departments have done for years is uh, encourage or almost force employees to go through phishing training. They don't include phishing training for what happens when it comes across an SMS, and they need to start doing it for privacy controls that are built on these devices as well. It's not just about your traditional threat vectors. It's about thinking a, a, a bit more broadly about the, the ways that the business can be attacked as well as the individuals on these devices. I think that there's a big bit of training that needs to happen here around um, helping people understand what they are exposing when they accept uh, these various permissions uh, but more importantly, I think uh, we need to be reminding the individuals who sit at these devices that you need to do some house cleaning on occasion. Um, you know, if, even if you didn't make the right decision when the app was downloaded uh, and you allowed it to have access to some things, you know, go do a little tidy up every couple of months and make sure that the, the apps that have access to various bits of sensitive information, those are actually apps that you're using, that you're getting value from, and ones that you're not. If you, even if you don't delete the app, at least re uh, remove the, the access to that private data 
so that you can start to protect yourself a little bit more. And that's one of the things that I think Apple has done a good job on, on macOS as iOS, is, is letting you go audit those things in the settings app saying, okay, what has access to the microphone? What has access to accessibility? What has access to this? And like easily revoke it without kind of giving you a, a lot of grief. And so they've done a good job there. And I, I think you're dead on. I think this is a training issue. I think it's, it's, it's having a, you know, where an IT department has a place where you can go and say, I don't understand what this permission is. What does this mean? Is this okay to do? Uh, and having that openness. And again, it's just a different sort of training uh, and a different sort of discussion. And it's hard because it's, it's, again, it's apps are so easy to install now. Uh, and that's a good, that's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, and I, I guess we'll leave it with this. Uh, I don't know about uh, at Jamf, but uh, I will say most companies, their CEO doesn't need, not, doesn't, is not going to email you for iTunes gift cards uh, while they're busy in meetings. I know uh, I, I get those often uh, that you see somebody's trying to fish you and say it's your boss or the CEO needs iTunes gift cards or Google Play gift cards. Hey, don't call me, just email me. Uh, obviously, those are all phishing scams, but um, yeah, either here or there. Uh, Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, this was a great discussion, and this is just, it's just a hard thing to deal with for uh, employees and for IT departments, but I think the best advice we can give people is train, 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 and and really just talk about it. I couldn't agree more. Thanks for having us on today. I appreciate it.